This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. I don't know how your 2015 has been, but mine has been pretty stinking awesome. As, uh, as I reflect on 2015, I can't say that about every year. Some years, I'm like, I'm glad to see that year go. But 2015, I mean, it's just really been a blessing uh, just in my life personally as well as in our church family. Um, just uh, so many awesome things uh, happening. Today is Pastor Andy's last official time with us on staff, so we're glad to have the pastor of Hope Community Church uh, in Manitowoc with us today. So. <laughs> And his wife, Jean, and her family. <laughs> so uh, look forward to doing some great things with you in 2016, brother. I know one of the things we've already talked about doing is uh, uh, we're going to do the men's silent prayer retreat again. And Pastor Andy's going uh, he's, he's to teach that and lead that again. Um, so that'll be a great opportunity just to reconnect as well. And so we'll, we'll get him back up here to preach sometime too. So would that be okay with everybody? Yeah. All right, great. That's awesome. You know, uh, as I was thinking about how to end this year and really praying and asking what did God want me to share with our church family at the end of 2015, we've been in this series called The Gift, and, and I really wanted us to think about reflecting on the faithfulness of God. And so the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is Reflection of Faithfulness. It's looking at reflections of the faithfulness of God as we move forward because, man, this has been an awesome year. It really has, and as I reflect on the faithfulness of God, it stirs my heart to worship, because that's what it should do. It should make me go, wow, God, you are awesome. Look at everything you did. Look at how awesome that you are. And so as I look at 2015, I began to think, man, we set a vision for our church back in January of 2015 of just a focused vision to be able to achieve some goals, and our church in 2015 saw 100% of our page five goals in our goal document that we created. We saw those things completed or either they're in the uh, process of being completed, and as a church in 2015, we fully funded our momentum project to make buildings improvements and begin to implement cost savings. So thank you for your faithfulness in that, man. We knocked that out of the park just a little over half the year. We got that project fully funded, and, and those, those projects are mostly completed. We still have to complete the children's wing, and we'll be talking about that more. Uh, it's just going to be a great thing, but thank God the money is there to do that and take care of all that. In 2015, Word of Grace officially got out of debt in May, and so we have no debt as a church. Um, uh, as a church, we've seen 30 people baptized. We've seen countless lives given to Christ. And I have personally witnessed just quite a few couples that were in the stage of getting ready to just give up on marriage. But because of what God was doing in their heart and in their life and because of community groups and things that we made available here at church, they began to get plugged in and they actually saw healing through ministries like Trek, through things like community groups, and God has just healed marriages this year. And it's just been absolutely amazing. There have been people that I know personally, a part of our church family, that were ready to give up on life that have found a new meaning and a new purpose in life. And they're like, you know what, I, I was actually suicidal in my thinking and didn't really have a purpose uh, or, or a reason to live anymore. But now, because of what God has done in my heart and through my church family ministering to me and helping me, I found a new purpose, a new reason. Man, just amazing things, you guys. I could go on and on about those things, you know. It's just been an amazing year. And I don't know about you, but for me personally as well, but I look back and I go, you know, it hasn't come without challenges, Right. I mean, good things don't just happen all the time. I mean, it doesn't come without its set 
of challenges. But here's the thing. We need to know where we are going. We need to have vision and direction, not just for our church, but for our lives. That way we know when we get there. So if we have a purpose, we need to know when I've arrived and when I'm actually completing and fulfilling that purpose. So I can go, ah, I'm there. We made it. We did it. That's why we set those attainable goals that we were praying for and striving for in 2015 so we could go, okay, we're going somewhere because I think sometimes Christians are really, really bad. I think they're notorious for being extremely vague and broad because it sounds spiritual. Oh, we're going to see lives change and we're going to see God do amazing things. Okay, that's great. What does that mean and how do you know when you've gotten there? That's so broad and so big, but it sounds so spiritual. It's almost like we're afraid to be specific with God because we're afraid of setting ourselves up to fail because do we really trust God specifically? So anyways, I believe that setting a specific vision for your life is healthy. If you aim for nothing, guess what? You're going to hit the bullseye every time. But however, when you have purpose and direction, you can look in the rearview mirror. And you can see reflections of the faithfulness of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I thank you for this opportunity to share with our church family. I pray you would open up every heart, God. Open up every ear, Father. And let the word just sink down into our hearts. Let it pass, Lord, all of our intellect, all of our knowledge, all of our reasoning. And let it go straight for our heart. Because that's where true change happens. And I pray, Father, that your word and your spirit just stir our hearts today to begin to renew our minds, to begin to change our attitude, change our direction, Lord, and show us your purpose and your plans, Father, and help us not to just be hearers of the word, but help us to do it, God. Give us that courage and strength to do it, and help the Holy Spirit just to keep reminding us of those things that are being invested in us before today, as well as the things that will be shared today. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible, go ahead and go to Romans 15th chapter, Romans 15. Now, remember, uh, in 2014, we went through the entire book of Romans verse by verse. That was a fun series. We really got to look at that book in context. And in the book of Romans, if you were here during that time, you will have learned the purpose of Paul writing to the church in Rome is that he was trying to introduce his theology and introduce the gospel to these people who were a mixture of Greek Christians and Jewish Christians. So he had to deal with the different backgrounds and cultural interpretations of both groups. And so Paul is kind of finalizing and wrapping everything up in Romans chapter 15 after he's already discussed uh, the, the doctrine of the gospel and truly helping them understand their need for Jesus and the need for the law and the need for grace. All of those things he's talked about and now he's kind of wrapping things up in Romans 15. Let's look at verse 1. He says, We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. He said, Let each one of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus." that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. You see here Paul is saying, let's look at these things that we've learned and let's reflect on them because as we learn, it gives us opportunity to grow together in unity. 
Because every moment of life is an opportunity. Every time that you are doing anything, God is saying, I'm giving you this breath to breathe because I'm giving you opportunity. You have opportunity all around you, good or bad. Every moment is an opportunity to edify, to build up, to unify, or to tear down and to break down. Here the Apostle Paul, he is encouraging the church in Rome to not draw lines between those who are strong and weak in the faith. Because a lot of times people who consider themselves mature or consider themselves Christians who maybe have some tenure or some knowledge or some understanding of spiritual things or the things of God, they want to draw lines that divide. Oh, I know this. Oh, those poor little people. Bless their little heart, right? And he said, no, actually, he said, you ought to lift up those who are weak. You need to take the opportunity of you being a stronger person to help the weaker person because it's going to help them to grow. It's another opportunity. He said, so you need to look at the scriptures. You need to look at the things that we've learned from and see that we need to be edifying and uniting instead of dividing over who's smarter or who's more spiritual or who can act up better in church or who knows all the right words to say and all the right things to do. So he's trying to help us to understand to use that opportunity to preserve unity and build others up. And with those opportunities, what are we going to do? We have a choice every time, an opportunity every single day, because the vision you have for your life is going to determine what you do with those opportunities. How you see where you're going is going to determine what you're going to do with those opportunities. If you feel sorry for yourself and you want to blame everyone and everything, then guess what? That is an opportunity for you to get stuck. You get stuck in feeling sorry for yourself. You get stuck in blaming other people and blaming every other situation for why you can't do what it is that you have a vision to do or what it is that God has put in your heart to do. All the excuses then begin to come up. Now, you have the same opportunity in your life to trust God and to know that He's faithful, but the vision you have for your life is going to determine what you do with opportunities. So let me ask you this question. Whose standard, whose principle are you allowing to shape the vision for your life? What outside thing is feeding you that is shaping the vision that you have for your life? What's shaping the vision for your marriage? How do you see the type of marriage that God wants you to have or that you believe you should have that God has given you? And and what are you doing to see that vision fulfilled? Because if it's just me going, oh, I would like to have, but it's never going to be because, then I'm limiting the vision that God would like for me to have because there has to be a standard that I base the vision on. It has to come from somewhere. It can't come from my own selfishness. It needs to come from somewhere that is tried and true and that is solid. Now, let me ask you this. Whose standard, whose principle are you allowing to shape your life? Because if there's a poor standard, it's going to be a poor vision. When I know God's standard, I have a healthier view of what should be and what could be. And if I can see it, if I can plan for it and expect it, then I know that God is faithful and he's going to do what he said he was going to do. Amen, somebody? God's standard and the standard for your vision for your life should be his word. So let's ask this question. What does the word say is God's standard for marriage? What is God's standard for the way we treat one another? 
What is God's standard for the way that we respect each other and preserve unity? What is God's standard for the way that we handle conflict? What is God's standard concerning forgiveness? What is God's standard for keeping unity in the church and preferring one another? What is God's standard for holiness? What is God's standard for modesty? What is God's standard for entertainment? What is God's standard for the way you handle your money? What is God's standard for your health and your time management? What is God's standard for you concerning ethical things? What is God's standard concerning raising children? You see, if I don't have God's standards as the foundation, then how can I ever expect anything beyond my current reality to change? There has to be a standard in place for me to be able to use the opportunities that God has given me. And the the standards shape the way that I see what can and should be. There has to be a standard. If my standard is culture, oh boy, I'm in trouble. If my standard is desperate housewives, I'm in trouble of what a marriage should be. If my standard is the latest soap opera, then I've got a bad standard. If my standard is something that I see someone else doing that I'm becoming envious or jealous of and and I want what they have and I think that that's the goal is to be like them and to have that thing, then I'll be complete. Then my standard is all messed up. My standard has to come from the Word of God. Therefore, my vision for my life comes from the Word of God. In other words, I begin to look at His Word and I begin to see what His heart is on the matter what his standard is on the matter, and then I can go, I need to see that for myself because that's what God wants for me. Because what God wants for me is what's going to bring him the most glory. You know that? What God wants for you is what brings him the most glory because it's taking things like a marriage where people have conflict and disagreements and yet they handle things differently than the status quo because their vision is based off of his standard and people go what's different about that and then it points them to God when we begin to handle our finances in a way that honors God we begin to do things in a way where we're not living for materialism and we're not living our lives uh, greedy People begin to take notice, and the way we handle those things brings glory to God. And I'll tell you what else it does. It brings peace in your home. It brings peace in your home because your vision for your finances is based off of the standard that God has set in place in His Word. When you deal with your children, raising your children, if you do it according to God's standard, then your vision and your expectation can be based off of His standard. And therefore, you can see it, not because little Johnny and little Susie are perfect little angels, but because you know that if you do it God's way and trust in Him, that it's going to bring God glory and that it's going to benefit us. Because God is for us, not against us. Amen? If we look at anything in life, what is the vision for your life? Man, a lot of times marriages fail because people don't have a vision for their marriage that is healthy or based off of a godly standard. They just hope that they make it past the year that their parents stayed together. That's about as far as their vision is. My parents were married for 20 years and they got divorced. I hope we make it to 21. That's their vision for their marriage. And people can't see past that. People look at, 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 well, I just hope my kids don't go to jail. That's their standard. 
Man, what a poor vision. What poor expectation. And if that's your expectation and that's your vision, then you're setting the bar extremely low. And God is saying, I have so much better for you if you would just get a vision for your life, if you would get a vision for your family, get a vision for your household, get a vision for your church that's based off of my word, and then plan for it and expect it. That's what He wants us to do. But we need to understand the standard, and that is His word. Look at Proverbs 29 and 18. Proverbs 29 and 18. Could you put that up on the screen? It says, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. Where we have no revelation or no vision, people just go nuts. People have no direction at all. No direction at all. But when we keep the law of God, when we look at the heart of God, it brings joy and it brings peace in our lives. So there's three things, church, that we have to do in order to have this vision that God wants us to have for his life. It has to be based on the word. That's the standard. But the first thing we need to do is we've got to see it. We have to see it. You have to see the vision. Habakkuk 2 and verse 2. His, uh, God tells uh, the prophet Habakkuk, he tells him to write down the vision. He said, and make it plain. He said, and run with it. He said, you need to see it. You've got to see it. You need to write it down. To see it, you have to have a standard of something better than your current reality. So here's the question you need to ask. What is shaping and defining better for you? What does better look like? What is the foundation of better than the current reality that you may be facing right now? What is God's best for you? Because you've got to see it. Because God's desire for you is what is going to bring Him glory. Healthy marriages bring Him glory. Amen? Amen. Kids that live God-fearing lives bring Him glory. People forgiving one another and walking in unity brings Him glory. You know what doesn't bring Him glory? People holding grudges. People carrying offenses around. People treating one another poorly. People gossiping about one another. People backbiting. People always looking for a, a hidden agenda and always being suspicious because they're carrying around woundedness. That doesn't bring God glory. Division in the church doesn't bring God glory. People, people doing things unethically to try to, to take advantage of someone, that doesn't bring God glory. Husbands and wives yelling and fighting at each other does not bring God glory. Us being up to our eyeballs in debt and never having anything and always being under the pressure of having to work three, four, five, six jobs just to make ends meet does not bring God glory. These things don't bring God's glory. So, so for us to bring God glory, we need to do things God's way because not only does it benefit us, but it brings Him the glory. And we can say, man, this is God's way and God's way is better than my way. And that's really what we have to trust. We have to really believe that God is good. For you to see it, you've got to believe God is good. Amen. We say that in church because we know we're supposed to say it, but sometimes that's about as far as it goes. We know we're supposed to say it. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. <laughs> and that's what we say, but we don't believe God is good a lot of times. We think God is good some of the time when it goes my way. Because if we really believe that God is as good as He says He is, and He loves us as much as He says that He does, then it would change the way that we expected. It would change the way we planned. 
It would change the vision that we had for our life. It would change the expectations of our marriage. It would change the expectations of the way that we carried ourselves at our jobs. Because all of a sudden, I think God is good. And if I do things God's way, then I am going to bring glory to God. And it's going to benefit me. And I can go, God, thank you. I know that you are taking care of me because I'm doing things your way. Is this making sense to anybody? You see, you've got to see it, though. How, how big is the reality of whatever pressure or struggle that you're dealing with? How big is that reality? I want you to think about it for a minute. Are you, are you dealing with a mountain of debt? Are you dealing with a bunch of financial pressure that's just really got you laying awake at night and you don't know how you're going to pay this bill or pay that bill? Are you, are you worried about some type of disease that, that maybe you're, you're, you're fighting or something going on in your family, some type of turmoil? Something going on with your children or some, some uh, disagreement between you and your spouse that you don't know how it's ever going to mend or heal or how you're ever going to be able to forgive that person who wronged you or offended you? Is that what you're, you're laying awake at night thinking about? Is that how big this thing has gotten? Well, guess what? God is bigger. Amen. God is bigger. And He cares about you in every single moment. He cares about every single thing. And you're sitting there trying to figure out how to do it. And God is saying, I'm trying to show you, do it my way. If you do it my way, but you've got to see it. You've got to go, God wants better than me being in this mountain of debt. So how do I handle my finances God's way? And then I need to have a vision for not being in that mountain of debt. Amen? Amen. I need to go, God, show me. I need to see it. And then not only do you need to see it, the second thing you need to do is you need to plan for it. That's the step that I think a lot of people that get a little too super spiritual sometimes miss. If you look at the way that God operates, God is a planner. Amen? God does things in order. He is a God of process. God anointed young David when he was out in the fields tending his father's sheep. But yet, after he fought Goliath, he didn't become the king even though he was anointed. There was still a process that God wanted David to go through before he ever sat on the throne. You even look at the way that creation happened. Could God have just spoken and everything could have been made all in one instance? Absolutely. God chose process. God chose to show us his heart and the way that he was going to operate. So he did what he did in sequential days. And he rested. And he was showing us his heart for us and showing us what he values and what is important to him. Because if we value the things God values and we do things the way God wants us to do, then we will see things happen in our lives the way God wants them to happen. If I want a marriage that honors God, I need to see it, but then I need to plan for it. Because just reading a book by Beth Moore on how to have a better marriage isn't going to fix it. And then slipping it under your husband's pillow, hoping he reads it, and highlighting and bookmarking. You're laughing because you've done it. <laughs> highlighting and bookmarking and, and all those things. That, that, that's not what does it. It's got to be a plan. It's not just something that you see. Because if, it's, if seeing is as far as you get, then you're going to get mad at God. You're going to get mad at God. You're going to get really upset with church. You're going to get upset with Pastor Derek. Because you see it. I see it. But you don't plan for it. Well, you've got to plan for it. I see all throughout scriptures how God is a planner. Let's look at Proverbs 21 and verse 5. Proverbs 21 and 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. But what does it say? But those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. 
The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. We see the heart of God. He is a process God that does things and plans things and makes sure that we are taking steps in the right direction. Sometimes His grace just moves and sweeps in and takes us from point A to point Z. Thank God for those times. Sometimes you hear those stories of someone that was in a desperate situation and God took them from point A to point Z and just bypassed everything else. And we see those things. But the problem oftentimes is that when we go, I want God to do for me what he did for that person the same way that he did it for them. And we get disappointed when we're not going from point A to point Z because God's saying, you see it, now I want you to trust me in the process. Thank God for those times of grace where kind of the manna miracles just fall from heaven and we have those moments of, uh, of him taking us from one point to a drastic other point. But more times than not, Walking this Christian life, you're going to see God lead you step by step by step. Amen? Amen. And don't get weary in the journey. The Word says don't get weary in well-doing. Keep trusting. Keep growing. Keep seeing that vision, keeping it before you. Keep trusting Him, but plan for it. In other words, I need to go, what do I need to do different tomorrow that's going to affect my future than I did today? What do I need to do differently? So what are the steps you need to take to move closer to that vision becoming a reality? What, what's that one thing you need to... Ch- 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 <coughs> sorry. That one thing you need to... Ch- <coughs> that one thing you need to ch- change. I'm sorry. Got stuck right about here. What's that one thing you need to change? What's that one thing? Stop, stop looking at, 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 at all of those things. You'll get overwhelmed. What's the one thing? What's that one thing that you need to change? What's the one thing that you need to stop doing? What's the one thing you need to turn off? What's the one thing that you need to spend more time doing or spend less time doing? What's the one thing that's going to take you one step closer? I think a lot of times we look for all these instant things. We want to go to a conference or hear a special speaker or read a book. And once we find that book or hear that special speaker, we hear that magical sermon. Then we think that one thing that we took, we're going to run with it and it's going to change everything the next day. And then we're just going to have this amazing financial plan. We're going to have this amazing marriage. We're going to have these amazing kids the very next day just because we did one thing right one time. And then we wake up the next day and we go, it hadn't changed like I thought it was going to change. I'm going to give up. Well, don't give up. Just change that one thing and be faithful and keep doing what God wants you to do. Amen? Because God wants you to plan for it. Man, if, if, if you're struggling in your marriage, have a vision. See what God says about marriage. What, how, what type of marriage does God want you to have? What does he say in his word? What does he say in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6? What, what does he talk about marriage and parenting in those two chapters? What's the vision based on the standard of the word of God? That helps us to see God's best for us and how we need to treat each other. How how do we need to treat each other? How do we need to walk in forgiveness? How did Jesus tell us to do that in Matthew 18? What are the steps Jesus told us to take in order to make sure that we're preserving unity in the church? When we look at the things that the the Acts church did in Acts chapter 2. What are the things that they were doing? What what, what are some of the the markings of, of that unity? What are some of the things that the Word says is that standard? And I need to see it, and I need to plan for it. And then the last thing that I need to do is I need to expect it. I need to see it. I need to plan for it. And I need to expect it. 
People with vision know God's way is the best way that honors his word. This is where faith comes in, okay? Because I can go, I see it, God. I'm doing my part because faith without works is dead, right? So I need to see it. I need to plan for it and do my part. But then there's an element that has to be the God element that has nothing to do with you. Because you can't change someone's heart, right? You can't change someone's heart. All you can do is is see it and you can plan for it. But when you expect it, there comes that element that God has to move in and do something that is out of the control of our ability. That part that we go, whoa, if not for God. Amen? Amen. And we began to see God move. This is where faith comes in because I may not see things turn around when or how I want them to. Just because I see God's desire and I have a good plan, I still need to trust Him. Amen? Amen. I need to trust Him that if He said He was going to do it, that He was going to do it. And it's my job to rest and trust. Make sure that I'm doing my part and that I'm active with my faith and not passive with it. That if there's some things I need to change, I need to be asking God, what do I need to change? If there's things that I need to start doing instead of uh, of spending my time uh, wastefully doing other things that are not productive, God, what do I need to do? I need to do my part, but there's that element that God has to do it in His timing, the one thing that we cannot do. So here's the thing. When you have a vision for beyond where, you at, beyond where you're at, you see it, you, 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 you plan for it, you expect it, and you expect God to move in your life when you follow His standard because your desire is to be a reflection of His glory. And that happens when our life's vision brings glory to God. So write it down. Make it plain. Run with it. And let God show His faithfulness to you. I think that God's gift to us. Yes, it's Jesus. Yes, it's forgiveness. Yes, it's reconciliation. Yes, it's the cross. But I think woven all throughout Scripture, God's continual gift to us is His faithfulness. And I think that just shows us over and over all throughout history, however goofy people have gotten, however hard-headed we've been, He's remained faithful, and He just continues to pour out that gift of who He is on us. That gift of love, that gift of His faithfulness. He's faithful in His love, He's faithful in His mercy, He's faithful in His kindness, He's faithful in His blessing, He's faithful in His word, and He's wanting to show us this is who He is. And as we move forward in this next year, I just want you to have a vision for your life. I, I, I want you to have... I want you to have a vision to take advantage of the opportunities that God lays before you each and every day to bring Him glory. To have that vision and to take a step towards that thing that God is saying, this is my desire for you. Can you see it? Are you going to plan for it? Are you going to expect it? What are you going to do about it? Oh, that's nice. That made me feel fuzzy. That made me feel warm. Well, that's great. But if it doesn't change anything, then it's not, it's not doing anything for you. I want this to be something that we take with us and we actually put into practice. Amen, church? Amen. That in 2016, as you're planning out your, your year, I don't know what your 
plans are. I don't know if you're a resolution person. I love the first of the year. It gets me really excited. I don't know. I just really like it. It's like taking a bath from last year, you know? This feels really, really good. If you didn't bathe all year long and... Man, you, that's how I feel. Like if I didn't bathe all year long in 2016, I'm like, all oh, right, I feel good now. I love the start of the year. I really do. It's, it's always fun. But as you're planning, as you're looking at buying uh, your, your, your new little day planner, as you're looking at downloading that new app that's going to help you accomplish that thing, as you're researching websites for the latest diet fads and exercise things that you're going to start, as you're looking at new Bible reading plans and all those fun things that you've been doing or that you're going to wait till New Year's Eve to do and then you look at it. Let me tell you, in all of your planning, I want you to look at God's standard and let's have a vision for where our lives need to go in 2016. Amen? Amen. What type of employees are we going to be in 2016? What type of parents are we going to be? What type of grandparents? What types of aunts and uncles? What types of friends are we going to be in 2016? What types of sons and daughters are we going to be in 2016? What type of marriage do we want to have? What's the vision? And is it based off of the standard? What type of financial shape do we want to be in in 2016? And the answer is not win the lottery. Oh, I know. <laughs> And, and the answer is not even that you get more money. The answer is that you manage what you have better and you live beneath what your income level is. But how do I plan for that? If that's God's best for me, what is, how do I plan for that? What are the things I need to stop doing? What are the things I need to start doing? Have that vision. See it. And then plan for it. And then pray over that thing and expect God to give you the strength to do those things. Amen? Amen. Expect God to do in other people's hearts what you cannot do and in your own heart what you can't do. But be open to His Word and His truth as He's guiding you. The Bible says that the Spirit Himself will lead you and guide you into all truth. And it's all for the glory of God. And that's what I want for our church family. We're going to share our goals and things like that for 2016 because we have goals for 2016. It's going to be great. And I thank God that we can look back on the reflection of his faithfulness, and we can see how faithful God's been to our church, man. It's really cool. Thank you so much for, for praying. Thank you so much for being involved. Thank you so much for being faithful. It's just amazing what God has done in our church. and haven't, hasn't come without its share of challenges, but it's been amazing. But those things just didn't happen. They didn't just fall on us like birdseed at a wedding. Those things just didn't happen. It was because we looked to the scripture and we wanted to see it. Amen? Amen? We wanted to have that vision and then we needed to put a plan together. And then we shared that plan with our church family as a staff. And, and then we began to expect it. That's why it happened. We can go, yay God, thank you Jesus. We can praise him now because we saw those things happen. But you've got to have a vision. You've got to see it. And then you've got to have a plan and then you've got to expect it. Please take this to heart. And please do something with it because I want to see God do awesome things in your life. And I know we're talking about 2016. There's still a few days left. Sorry, December. We're not writing you off just yet. I mean, you can still have a great rest of your 2015. So, so don't misunderstand because somebody's going to come to me after church and say, what about the last three days of the year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Four days later. 
I want you to see it. I want you to plan for it. Expect it. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.